listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's focus on Saquon Barkley, talk draft and free agency with a great friend of the program. It's John Harris from the Texans Radio Network. John, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's start with draft analysis. Other than Saquon Barkley, are you handing out any first-round grades for the running backs this year? Man, I'll tell you this. If, if I wouldn't give out any first-round grades, I definitely have got a ton of second-round grades, whether it's Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb. I've been a big fan of Nick Chubb. I, I hate the fact that he had that injury in 2015 because I felt like he was on par at that point, running the way that he was at his size. I felt like he was on par with Leonard Fournette. It's been a long comeback for him. But the combine was good. I think somebody's going to get a really quality running back at the top of the second round in Nick Chubb. But Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, I think those guys are absolute legitimate top of the second round. Could maybe sneak into the first, depending on what teams there at the bottom of the first round are looking for. And that's actually good for them because those teams down at the bottom of the first are playoff teams. So that could end up being good for them. But Michelle, Chubb, I think this is a pretty good running back class overall. Obviously, Barkley is the guy, but I think you can find some really good players. I mean, the Chiefs found Kareem Hunt last year in the, what, the third round. <clears throat> I think you can find guys like Caleb Balazs from out of Arizona State, who is a specimen. He is a bigger, stronger, faster, heightweight speed sort of guy, but he's a guy that I think a lot of teams will like. Naeem Hines from out of NC State, who ran the 4-3 range, can do a lot of different things uh, for a team. So I think teams, when they look at these running backs, they're going to see a lot more than just a guy that can carry the mail. They're looking at guys that can do a lot of different things, whether it's catch the ball in the backfield, block and pass protection, uh, run the rock on first and second down. So you're getting a pretty versatile running back class. But Barkley is clearly above everybody else. But I think if you took a back-end first-round flyer on a back, it would probably be a Sony Michelle or a Nick Chubb, uh, somebody of that caliber, yes. Where do you see Saquon Barkley going in this draft? Does he go number one? Or does he fall down to somewhere else knowing that the Cleveland Browns already have their quarterback and maybe a quarterback to be down the road in the draft, but that may not be the number one pick when it comes down to Cleveland. It would be a running back. Am I correct? You know, Cordell, I think the top two players in this draft are Saquon Barkley and Quentin Nelson. But I don't think running back and guard, it's interesting because running back and guard are two positions where people say, well, I can just get one of those guys that lay around. These guys are special. But you know, you played the position. You know how important it is. You've got to have that quarterback. And just the way things are lining up in free agency and just watching it from afar, it feels like, first of all, the Bills have got to have a quarterback. They, I don't think they have one in the building that could go under center and do anything. So they've got to go get a quarterback. I think the, you can make an argument whether the Giants need one or not. Cleveland definitely needs one for the future, not for right now. So I think the Tyrod Taylor move was good for them. But I just think there's going to be a run on quarterbacks early and what that might allow a team to do is, hey, I might trade up, but I'm going to go get Barkley instead because I've got my quarterback. Um, maybe the Broncos do something like that. Maybe the Broncos with Case Keenum say, you know what? We're sitting here at five. Hey, maybe Barkley falls to us. Maybe we take Saquon Barkley and we put him with Case Keenum and then we look in maybe the second round for a quarterback, maybe a Mason Rudolph or somebody like that that they could put behind Case Keenum. Because the Broncos are already trying to groom or still groom Paxton Lynch. So they still have their air in residence, I suppose, in Paxton Lynch, I guess. But they're still going to draft somebody, I would imagine, this draft. But I can see the Broncos doing it at five. I just think there's going to be a run on quarterbacks. All things considered, if every team had a top quarterback, I think Barkley would be the number one pick, and there would be no question about it. 
because Barkley and Nelson are two best players in this draft. Yeah, and you set for the draft with John Harris from the Texans Radio Network. John, we know Josh Allen of Wyoming has a big arm and a big body. How much are you concerned about his inaccuracy on campus in Laramie? Completion percentage less than 60%. I'm concerned about that. But I'll tell you this, Brian. When I was at the Senior Bowl, I watched him each day get a little bit better throwing the ball. The first day that we saw him in pads, they were working on a drill going back. They were kind of manipulating the pocket, and they were throwing at a, a netting that has like these three squares. And I'm sure Cordell's done this a thousand times. The guy would say hit square one or square two or square three. The first three throws, Allen didn't even hit the netting. He threw it like five yards over the top, and I thought, what is going on? Two days later, he's throwing laser shots in the end zone from the red zone and fitting it between linebackers. And I remember standing next to Russian Webster, scout for the Falcons, and my buddy Lance Zerline from NFL.com, and I said, after he made that throw, I said, I'm around the NFL all the time. I see quarterbacks every single Sunday. I don't know that I've ever seen a throw like that. That's the kind of talent that Josh Allen has. But I just fear that inaccuracy pops up at such bad times. And the decision-making at times can just be head-scratching. That is that way for a lot of rookies. Obviously, I saw one here that's special in in Deshaun Watson. But Allen, I think, is going to take some time. But I said that Allen would go to Buffalo, that Buffalo would trade up and and go get Allen. It just seems to fit. Big arm and that cold weather. He can slice it through the wind. Just different things that I would imagine they're looking for in Buffalo that I think that Josh Allen could give to them. I just feel like that's going to be a match. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills that I'll be looking out for on night one of the draft. Well, Josh Allen's arm is so big and his body type is so big. Sometimes, you know how it is when you when you have these big kids, you just all of a sudden grab them and, you know, they take for granted that their arm is so strong that sometimes it just may be a little bit, uh, as far as efficiency is, is concerned, lacking in that department. I think that's what I see with the Josh Allen. But tell me what you saw with Lamar Jackson. What do you, what do you see him actually fitting into the matrix of things? Because there's not too much talk in the sense of him maybe going in the first round. You know, Cordell, I've been the one – I feel like I'm the one banging a drum for Lamar Jackson. Now, my good buddy Andre Ware has been a huge fan of Lamar Jackson for a while. And we were watching on our way up to Indianapolis for our last game. We were watching the bowl game against Mississippi State together. And it was one of those games – I thought Lamar had probably his worst game and then he threw four interceptions. But, man, there were some throws in that game that he made on the run. I remember one run, one throw he made going to the right, through back across his body, which he shouldn't do. He's got such good arm strength that he zipped it to his tight end who got up the field for a big gain. And I turned to Andre and I said, you don't see that. There are guys that can't make that throw going into this draft. Now, when it comes to inaccuracy, Lamar does have that. His technique, he stands way tall in the pocket. His feet get too narrow. The elbow will drop at times and the ball will sail on him. But when he's dialed in and when he has the ball in his hands, of all the quarterbacks in this draft, and I've said this many times, especially watching Deshaun up close, of all the quarterbacks in this draft, when he has the ball in his hand, I'm scared of him as a defensive coordinator. The rest of the guys, I, I'm okay, good quarterback. You know, Baker Mayfield is probably next on that list. I watch Lamar Jackson. He has the ball in his hand. He will give me nightmares as a defensive coordinator. And knowing that, and when you hear what Michael Vick says about him, you got to think, wow, defensive coordinators are going to have a lot of problems with Lamar Jackson. I've been fearful that the Jaguars would do it at 29 because they've got Blake Bortles for the next few years. Lamar, give him a little time. I'm fearful the Jags do it at 29. Hopefully they don't. But I think Lamar Jackson should go in the first round, that some team may trade up in the bottom of the first round and go get him. 
And I think it'll be a smart move for whatever that team is. I'm really high on Lamar Jackson. Although he does have some things to work on, he's so dangerous with the ball in his hands, it can make plays. And that is paramount at that position in the NFL nowadays. Chatting with John Harris from the Texans Radio Network. John, let's make the move to free agency. When you heard Kirk Cousins was getting $84 million guaranteed from Minnesota, what was your thought? What I thought was, I'm going to ask Deshaun Watson to take me out to dinner in a couple of years <laughs> when that happens for him. That was my first thought. Uh, but you know, here's the thing, and I thought about this. I think I would have been a little bit more shocked if it would have been a five- or six-year deal that was fully guaranteed. Because most deals that you look at, the first two, three years for any free agent, for the most part of that caliber, is, is almost guaranteed anyways. So to me, it was that third year that essentially got guaranteed on top of it where I went, okay, this is a, this is a little bit rich, but I could see teams or players and agents looking at it going, oh, here we go. But to me, it'll really start to show when a player signs a five-year deal and all of it's guaranteed. You know, when Aaron Rodgers goes up for his next deal, which I know is coming up soon, if he says, look, I want five mil, I want a hundred and – I don't know, $140 million, and I want it all guaranteed? If you're the Packers, what are you going to do? I mean, that to me is what it really is going to change when you get the longer deals that get fully guaranteed. A three-year deal, yeah, it's still earth-shattering because of that word, those two words, all guaranteed. But the fact that it's only three years, I'm like, okay, let's get to five and six years, and then it'll start to be panic time, I think, for some of these teams. So we all of a sudden have... Kirk Cousins with the Minnesota Vikings. It gave him the big splash. Case Keenum gets it done last season. Obviously overachieved in so many people's minds. You spend this money on this on this guy, Kirk Cousins. What's the expectations now? Well, Cordell, I think it should be to win a ring. I don't think there should be any question about that. They've got every other piece in place, at least right now. I think the expectation at this point is Case was good. Case had a good, he had a, had a great year, got him money to go to Denver Broncos. But now you're the guy. We're putting this money into you. You're the guy. And having been through the Brock Osweiler experiment, that was the expectation. We're going to pay you a lot of money, and they're paying Kirk a lot more than, than Brock was paid here in Houston. But the expectation was, you lead us to a Super Bowl. I don't even think it's that. I think with that money, with everything in place in Minnesota, the expectation there has to be, Super Bowl championship, not just getting there, but go get a ring for the Minnesota Vikings. That's a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins, but that is the final piece of the puzzle, and they're paying him like it. But the pressure now is on him to produce that each and every week. And I think the NFC is going to be fascinating to watch next year with what the Rams are doing, with Cousins, with the Vikings. I think this is going to be in the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo and the things they've done in free agency and signings. It's going to be a really interesting NFC. And then throwing the Eagles, man, I forgot about the world champs. It's going to be a really tough NFC to navigate through. Thankfully, the Texans will be in the AFC and stay out of that mix at least until the playoffs and hopefully meet the Vikings in the Super Bowl. That would be kind of nice. Kind of cool heading to Atlanta. That's Cordell's area. You can kick it at his house. Let's wrap it up with a team you know the best. How do you think your Texans are going to approach the draft? Well, I think some of it's coming to fruition in, in free agency, and I've had a lot of conversations with people. They send me stuff. They're like, hey, I want to sign Jimmy Graham, and I want to sign this running back. I want to get this receiver. I'm like, you don't do anything until you fix that offensive line and the secondary. And, whether, and whichever you say is priority one or priority two, it doesn't matter. 
you've got to fix both of them. And so there's been uh, there's been some news on Zach Fulton. Hopefully that comes to fruition here tomorrow, and he signs because I think he would be a, gr- a great interior fix for this offensive line. Chantrell Henderson, which a little bit of a head scratcher, but he was with the Bills when Brian Gain was up there for one year, and he adds to the mix. And he, look, he's better than any offensive tackle we have in the building right now, so he, he may jump right in. But I still feel like more ammunition at the offensive line, whether it's Zach Golden, what they hear about Nate Solder, Chris Hubbard from the Steelers, and then the secondary. They appear to be the team for Aaron Colvin, which I like. And I think it probably means that Kareem Jackson moves to safety, but Aaron Colvin I think is a really good fit for this defense, and I don't think they should be done. O-line and secondary, and, and then at that point, you can look at some luxury items. Maybe in that third round, you might look at a tight end considering C.J. Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin had concussion issues. But I think you're going to go offensive line and secondary still in that third round. And then that last pick, you might look at something a little different. Maybe a Shaquem Griffin who can rush the quarterback a little bit from UCF. Maybe a tight end you could look at in this group, which there are some pretty good pass-catching tight ends. You could maybe look at a tight end at that point. And maybe you look at one of these versatile running backs that could do a little bit more than just run the rock and get out and catch the ball to the backfield as well to help Deshaun Watson. John, great information as always. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. You got it, boys. Take care. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on TuneIn.